So when you join an Instagram engagement pod with maybe the same 10 people and then the purpose of the pod is you post something, you send the your post to that engagement pod, that group of people that you're with, you go, oh, can you just like and comment on this so it looks uh, good and also kind of hopefully gets pushed out there. But the problem is that A, your audience is going to see the same 10 people commenting the same kind of 10 generic things on your posts. Firstly, that's a bit of a, mm, okay, red flag. The second thing is that because Instagram shows more content um, similar to what you're already engaging with, those are the posts you're going to keep seeing, the ones you keep engaging with in the engagement pod. So your content gets restricted. Hello and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpost, Woomaker Law and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture, and yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. Hello, welcome to this episode. I am joined by the amazing Cheyenne Hackland, who is the brains behind Color Social. She's a social media manager and marketer, and she has seven years experience in all things digital, helping small and large businesses grow and build their communities on Instagram. I love this chat. We talk a lot about things like mistakes in business and getting started and getting clients and pricing mistakes and all that sort of juicy stuff that you usually go through in the first two years of building your own business and running your own business and how that can be really overwhelming compared to when you're an employee and you can just show up to work, get paid, still do a really hard job and work really hard, but you don't have to worry about those added layer of running the business on top of that. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I am currently 32 weeks pregnant as I am recording this and I am feeling it. I'm starting to waddle. I feel like I am slowly inching my way to maternity leave, which will be lovely. And I have a few more episodes in the lineup before I do waddle off. I also am in the process of hiring a digital marketing assistant for my business. So if you are based in Australia or New Zealand and you want to check out that role, you can apply and see the position description and all that sort of stuff at katiegriffin.com forward slash where dash hiring. And we're kind of looking for someone to join us on a full-time basis that has experience in Google ads and is passionate about digital marketing and all that sort of stuff. So if that interests you, do check the link out in the show notes for that job description. And join me now as I chat to Cheyenne. Okay. Can you please introduce yourself and tell people who you are, what you do, all that sort of jazz? Yeah, cool. Um, So my name is Cheyenne. I run a small social media marketing. um, It's kind of like a really hybrid business. So it's social media. Every now and then I chuck in some design, maybe website building, that kind of stuff. Um, So I've been running that for like two years. I'm based in Melbourne and that's me. And so you've you've been running your own business for two years? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, I think it's about that, two and a half. I always lose count somewhere. Yeah, it's hard. It's like a birthday. You're like, oh, whoops, I forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) 
And so what, how did you get started in actually starting your own business? Because it's one thing to kind of be doing social media and Mm. all that sort of stuff, but how did you get, decide to actually go out on your own? It was, it was something like, I think I've always thought about my parents are quite entrepreneurial. They have their own businesses and I've always kind of seen myself doing something for myself. And at the time, kind of 2016 to 2018, 19, um, I was working somewhere and I didn't feel aligned with um, where I was working, but I was doing all their socials and I had a background in influencer marketing and all that good stuff. Um, So it kind of came not out of like necessity, but I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this job. Don't really want to work for anyone else. And I kind of see myself doing what I'm currently doing or what I was being paid to do, but for like more people. So I left that and I kind of started Social. I think early, like Jan or Feb, 2019. But then I was still like too scared to kind of take the dive. Um, so I, I set it up and then I took like another contracting gig somewhere. Um, but to be honest, it kind of came from one of those things like I wanted to do it. I had it all set up and waiting and I kind of took the dive after leaving my job and not really having that safety net. And at what point did you, because I think when people go from being in-house somewhere and employed, there's pros and cons to both. When you have a solid employment, you've got a regular income coming in, you've got job security. You don't have to worry about the behind the scenes admin side of things. Like I remember before I had this business, I had my own e-commerce business and then I had my first baby and then I left, I sold that business and went in-house as a digital marketer and back to agency. And I remember a girl that I worked with, she said, oh my God, it must be so much easier when you're running your own business. And I was like, (laughs) you are kidding me, right? Like you have someone here to do HR, you have someone here to do you know, payroll. Yes. When, yeah. When you are running your own business, that is essentially you all, you wear everything at the beginning and there's no one to bounce ideas off. So I think there's pros and cons to both where the thing I love about being employed by someone is that you, the bucks doesn't stop with you. Like if you can't, if something's above your capacity, you can always go to someone else and say, I need help or like, yeah. I can't do this or, you know, help me out. And, or you can pass it off to someone else that, you know, I don't have the time for this. But when you run your own business, you don't really have that luxury, particularly at the start when you're a lot of the time bootstrapping things. So what was the thing that surprised you the most or the things that surprised you the most about going from being an employee to being a business owner? Great question. I think, to be honest, there were quite a few surprises. I I mean, when you kind of go out on your own, like you said, you're exposed to every aspect of the business. And I was when I was employed, I think I was lucky enough to kind of specialize in one thing and you go out and I was thinking great now I'm just going to be able to do social media marketing specifically and I can really focus on that for all these businesses and then like you said there's accounting and there's if you potentially have to outsource but you don't really have the money for that either so it's kind of I think the thing that surprised me was how much and when you look on social media it's everywhere um, no one really broadcasts the stress and mm. how hard it is to kind of get something off the ground. Um, so yeah, it was it was learning all those new skills on the fly, basically. And also, you don't have you're not necessarily getting paid for that stuff because I think that's something that when when you go from being in house to being on your own is that you think that you'll be able to focus solely on doing what you love, but you actually have to focus on 
sometimes what people fall into is actually they'll get further and further away from doing what they love because they're too busy running the business side of things. Yeah. Have you had to deal with that as well? Yeah, I have. So I got, I was kind of neglected the business side of things when I started. So I kind of had my head just buried in the ground about that. So there came a point, I think it was, it was probably mid to end 2019 where I hadn't sorted out any of the fundamentals of my business. And I realized that I kind of had to stop what I was doing and backtrack a little bit. So kind of going back, even just setting up GST or Mm. kind of having an accounting system in place, like I wasn't tracking anything. Um, So kind of need to go back and and kind of lay those foundations. There's no, there's no like course that teaches you. No, (laughs) you need to set up this. No one does. You can Google it. They're like, oh, just, uh, you may or may not need to. And it was like, okay, well, what do I specifically need to do? Like, do I specifically like how much should I be adding on to or taking from my invoice for income tax? Do I need to worry about income tax? Do I need to worry about super? Because obviously when you work for an employee, that's all just mandatory. Um, and no one kind of sits you down and goes, X, like takes you through X, Y, Z, this is what you should do. This is how much you should put away. This is a buffer. This is like these different, so like even something that seems really simple, like having all your finances for your business in a separate account, yeah. like having your personal stuff. No one tells you that. It's and just think, like, oh, go forward. Yeah. And I think um, that can be really, I, I've had this before as well, is that you've been doing what you're doing so long that you're like, oh, I don't want to get help now because someone's going to be like, why haven't you done this six months ago? Like <laughs> judge you for it. a slap on the wrist. Like, yeah. oh, okay. And then there's, oh, it's stressful. Yeah, I really think one of the most important things you do need to sort out when you are starting out is like get someone that you can go to for accounting advice because it really does save you a lot of trouble in the long run. Trying to unpick all those, I've done that where, not in this business, but in a past business, unpick all those personal versus business expenses in the same account. It takes, it's easier to get it started, set it up from the beginning. And the mistakes that everyone makes, no one teaches you how to do it. But if you're starting, if you're wanting to start to go freelance or run your own business, having someone that you can like your accountant really should be one of the main people that you talk to because even things like business structure and at what point should I register for GST and they can give you help on pricing and things like that because I think also when you're when you're pricing yourself as a freelancer, you think that you can charge less than you did if you're in-house somewhere, but then you're not taking into account time for the admin and the bits and pieces of running your own business and you end up yeah. severely undercharging and your business isn't profitable. Yeah, and you don't even consider the fact that no one's paying you for time off. You're not going to get annual leave, sick leave. Um, And that was also one of the things I struggled with. It's like no one tells you how to price yourself. So I was like, okay, I tried to work it backwards and then you end up completely undercharging and burnt out because you've undercharged, maybe taken on too many people. Um, And it's kind of once you've set that price, which is ridiculous if you work backwards, um, trying to fill up your, your roster to meet that, it's just, you just end up completely smashed and annoyed. <laughs> and I think it's such a common thing. Like so many people that I speak to on this podcast have gone through that period in the first year or two of their business where they're like, hang on a sec, I've I've sort of been pricing myself as a hobby and then I need to change that and then I need to go through the teething problems of trying to communicate that to my existing clients and losing clients and all that sort of stuff. And I think that if anyone's listening and they are in that situation, like it's such a common thing, those first 24 months of your business, figuring all that stuff out, the foundational things and making those mistakes is Mm. like everyone does it. Everyone does it. But I almost feel like it's 
and I know it's rubbish when you're going through it, but part of it is like learning from that and you kind of need to go through that to be like, okay, well, that was ridiculous. Like I can't ever go back to that and it kind of sets the tone for the rest of your business. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like as painful as it was, it was quite valuable. Yeah, definitely. At the same time. (laughs) So you've started the business. Mm. How did you originally start to get clients and build your own freelancing business? Oh, that's a good, like that was one of the hardest things. I think, Especially because I think me. that with social media management, there are so many pop-up, like so many <sighs> little one-man boutique agencies and one-woman yeah. agencies. And and it, it really is, I think, I've found in the past that when you're handing off something like social media, it can be hard to find the right person that gets your voice and can speak in your language and yeah. builds your business and your brand the way you want to communicate things. So it's kind of like a dating process, I guess. Oh, You've got God. to weed them yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was like, um, I know like everyone kind of says when you start out and you have like, whether it's marketing, photography, whatever it is, go to friends and family as your first clients. I could not do that because I, for some reason, was like, oh, no, that feels really icky. I don't really want to work with friends and family anyway. Yeah, I don't um, do I didn't do that. I would hate no, that. I would hate it too. I was like, yeah, that's a hard pass. I'm just not going to do that. Um, so I guess what, like I started getting some experience by contracting to agencies. Um, yeah. so there's some really great agencies in Melbourne. Uh, one of some of the bigger ones kind of going to them, contracting to them. Getting Do you pitch in- yourself to them? Yeah. Yeah. So kind right. of just being like, look, this is my skill set. This is what I can help you with. Um, if you ever need freelancers. And I think that's like, so often they do need freelancers. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a really good, that's a really yeah. good strategy because, yeah. And they're often looking to increase their referral network as well for clients to choose more for them or they don't have the capacity for. It's a really good, really good strategy. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I found it worked really well. Um, So you build, obviously, these great connections, these great networks, and you have the opportunity to work on brands that you possibly wouldn't have that opportunity. Well, not even possibly. You just wouldn't have that opportunity if you were just starting out. Um, And you can kind of see how other people do it, best practice, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was where I started and I got a few kind of big contracts through them. And then I went and everyone's like, oh, Facebook groups. I don't know. Again, not really my, not really my vibe. Um, so I don't, apart from the agency side of things, I didn't really pitch myself. Um, I kind of took more of the, um, like the attraction marketing. So I focused on putting content out that kind of spoke to people and gave value. And like, luckily enough, I kind of found referrals came from that. Um, So being someone may have seen me and just like, oh, cool, this chick, if you need help, check her out, whatever. Um, But yeah, so just focusing on predominantly what I was putting out in blogs, Instagram, that kind of stuff. And at that point, do you become like booked out? Yeah. So something that I think that I've struggled with in the past is recognizing your own capacity and when you are booked out and saying no to people. So I think that with industries like yours and mine, where it's more of a longer term client management ongoing, the good thing is that you don't have to continually chase new clients because they're ongoing. Um, The downside can be though, if you it's ongoing as well and it it can be hard to pencil in holidays, time off and Christmas breaks and things like that. How did you start to recognise boundaries around your own capacity and saying no to people? Oh, something I'm still working on. So I don't think I haven't quite got there. Um, I'm still, 
I guess the most, one of the things I read that helped the most, um, especially with some of my clients, one of my clients I've had since kind of day dot first, and they're still on that pricing that I had when I first started, but, and I don't know how to explain this. Um, I think I read somewhere it was like you've got your clients and you may have low low income but high value or low value, high cost, that kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of not ranked my clients but kind of was aware of where my clients sat in that kind of scale. Um, and if I had, oh, I mean, I still struggle with doing it. Even answering this question, I'm realising that I don't really know my capacity but I what I've done is kind of increased my network and have found people to kind of outsource to where I need. Um, and if something doesn't really align with what I want to do or if I can kind of feel myself not really jumping at it, that's when I go, yeah, no, probably not. Um, but even if I think I'm overbooked but the opportunity is really exciting, I'll still try and take it. Um, so at this point I'm kind of leaning towards more of a value and alignment criteria I don't even know if that's a thing but and then just outsourcing where I can't actually do it myself what about with clients that are more of those red flag clients that you might be working with for a couple of months and then you realize hang on a sec they even if they're charged on a premium pricing they're still not for the it sounds negative but for the the headache that they're causing me or for you know, every time I see their inbox, their name in my inbox, I'm like, oh, like Never I think, sweats. <laughs> yeah, everyone's had those sort of clients. Yeah. How have you dealt with those sort of situations? Um, luckily, I've only ever had one. So oh, touch wood, I've yeah. only ever had one. And the red flags, I think they were really hard to pick up at first. But now that I know, I kind of can, I do more of an interview process to start. So I just yeah. want to suss people out, figure out why they think something's not working. And based on the answers they give me and whether it's potentially in their mind someone else's fault or not fault, that's totally the wrong word, but if they've churned through people, for example, I'm like, okay, that's a red flag. There's a common denominator there. But where I've had someone that I've kind of had to let go, uh, I'm not very good at conflict and having hard conversations at all. Um, so it's kind of I take more of a gentle approach. Um, it's more of an education piece, I think. I don't really know, reiterating like maybe we are not aligned and we don't mm. we have, may have the same vision, but the way we do things is different and it doesn't quite work. So let them down gently, but yeah, definitely try and pick up on those red flags because they're quite obvious in hindsight. They are. Yeah. I've had one in the last six months and I'm oh, like, no. should have known. not an ongoing client, but I'm yeah. like, I should have known from the very beginning that this was not going to work. Oh, God. And it it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I'm just like, but you've got to cut it, cut the cord because otherwise it'll just cause you too many. Yeah, totally. And then like you days. said, they might be high in like monetary value, but not really low in every other are yeah. You, what are your red flags? Are you willing to share your red flags? Yeah, my red flags are when someone is, this was a one-off client and I won't give too much away, but this is a one-off client and they um, didn't communicate. They weren't across, it was like a favour that I did for another client and then they weren't kind of across and I, I, whenever you're doing favors, it's never a good sign. Anyway, I think that's always yeah, something that's that the first yeah. red flag. I think. I mean, it was a paid favor, but it was like a mates' rates kind of thing. And mm. then, 
um, they weren't across the brief and they didn't understand what was going on and then they wanted, they essentially were outside the scope of the project and can, were wanting more ongoing management when it wasn't specified. So like the project had been completed and I would still get emails two, three times a day from oh, a person. God, um, really? Yeah. And so I had to sort of say like, oh, this is, you know, this project has been completed and we don't have any capacity yeah. moving forward to complete any other projects for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's hard. <laughs> and like would email me at like 6.30 on the, on the evening and that's fine. You can do that. I, I believe that people can email at what time they want to email, but then if I hadn't answered by 7.30 the next morning, then sending another email yes. and this wasn't even an ongoing client. It was like a <laughs> See, that is so that stressful. So stressful. I had my red flag client. It was like I was getting Instagram DMs, not even emails, but Instagram DMs at around midnight constantly. And yeah, that's like, a red yeah, flag. Stay away. <laughs> and you go, there's always going to be red flag, whether yeah. like I have them in my, my student program as well, where there'll, there'll be students that are red flags, there'll be clients that are red flags. You have friends that are red flag, oh, ab- like friends. Absolutely, so I think yeah. It's something you, you're always going to kind of deal with. Yeah. But it's important that you like Just work for what you like. Yeah. <laughs> so your specialty is like Instagram and all that sort of jazz. Mm-hmm. What I think from my point of view of someone that I see social media as being like I tend to get overwhelmed with it Yes, and I get overwhelmed with, the ability for people to reach me at all hours and I get overwhelmed with how much I should be posting. What sort of advice do you have for people that are in that situation where they're like, I think we hear all this stuff, you know, for best, um, for best, what's it called, engagement, you got to post kind of once a day or at this point, like what are all those, how do you kind of approach it when someone's dealing with that, that overwhelm with content production? Yeah, so I think the best way to think of it is it's a tool. It's not something you have to do. It's not something that you need to compete with anyone on. It's a tool for your business. So if you kind of take a step back and, I mean, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. You see everyone doing everything all the time and it's just all just content and noise. Um, But I think, like, obviously one of the things people kind of throw out is like, oh, be consistent. Consistency is key, blah, blah, blah. And like, yes, it is. It is key. But it's key in kind of your context. So if you can be consistent, if you're posting twice a week great that is consistency consistency doesn't have to be every day like take off as much as you need from your plate so and in terms of like being able to reach be reached all the time yeah that is that's a lot um so I turn all my notifications off I don't have notifications for Instagram I don't um if there's some accounts for example that constantly reach out to you maybe you don't want to hear from them all the time um instagram's got a really cool feature where you can kind of restrict the account so their dms will sit in your requests and you won't kind of get those notifications and if you want to see what they've said but you don't want them to know you've read it for example it doesn't show them that you've seen what they've sent um yeah it's super cool and it's just very handy for kind of just being a bit more I don't know, just protecting your mental health on social, I think, because there's that horrible feeling of someone's messaged you, you want to know what it is, but you don't want them to know that you've read it and then maybe you they, you feel like you have to reply straight away and you're not ready for that conversation. Um, so I find that really handy to just compartmentalise 
those conversations and kind of cherry pick them. Well, I mean, I guess when it comes to the hamster wheel of creating content as well, you don't always have to be creating something new. Um, there's, there's almost like this overload and overwhelm of information out there. So if you wanted to post something relevant to your niche, your industry, your audience, whatever it is, it exists already. Um, so kind of just taking the stress out of that by seeing what's out there and how you can just repurpose it for your account. Obviously, if it's someone else's post credit. But yeah, I think it's in a sense as stressful as you make it. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was helpful at all. No, I think it is because I um I'm like you, I don't have any notifications on my phone. I I'm someone that if I see it, I need to do it. I need to action it. So I just can't have it in my view. Otherwise, it'll just distract me. And I think also that it's important that, you know, the consistency is is on your schedule because I tend to post, you know, one to two times a week and that works for me. I'm, that's totally manageable and I actually enjoy that and it's mm. not a chore. And I still find you can cultivate a really engaged following and really good relationships on Instagram yeah. with that sort of schedule. You don't have to be doing the daily, daily. sort of stuff. Yeah. What about, is there anything that, can you ever do too much content production on Instagram? I think you can. I had a, for example, I had an inquiry come through this week and they were like, look, I want you to quote me on, I think they, were, they wanted um, three Instagram posts a day and two Facebook posts a day. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like that sounds like hell. And it's way too much content. No and I think it's quantity it. over quality at that point. Absolutely. Like you're just pumping stuff out. And I was like, look, no, that's that's horrible. Um, the way... I mean, obviously there is too much. There's there's going to be audience fatigue if you're just constantly pumping out stuff because exactly like you said, it becomes quantity and it's not, you're not really training your audience to know that when you've posted something, it's good. It's worth stopping to read. It's worth like saving, sharing, all that kind of stuff. And when you focus on just putting that really quality stuff out there, that's when it's like you said, like you when you post stuff, you're posting results and you're posting information about your, maybe you're running your courses. Um, and that's all stuff people can actually take something away from. And you have really fun stories when you post. So you always like notice you like you liken um, whatever is happening in your business to this like past experience. I'm like, oh, that's really clever. That's really good. Um, and it makes it fun to read as well. And if you did that on just this like overwhelming basis, you'd be burnt out and your audience would be burnt out. So, yeah, there's definitely too much content. And you notice that as well. There's been times where I've fluctuated and I've thought that I've had to post more than often than I, than I really needed to or wanted to. And those posts fall flat. You're just creating these posts that are like so generic and no one gives a shit about them anyway. And then when you actually, I found that, your engagement tends to go up when you, you're actually just posting stuff that people want to read and people want to engage with. and Yeah, and it's stuff you want to talk about as well and that's where, like, your passion comes from. Yeah, and you can still get growth that way as well. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're jumping on the whole um, reels train at the moment. Like, those are so evergreen that if you just wanted to post a reel a week, that would be great. Like that's So I have haven't do. done my first, I haven't done my first <gasps> reel. I have not popped my reels, Cherry. <sighs> what sort of... Um, like what sort of benefits are you seeing from reels? They are uh, amazing for <laughs> exposure at the moment and for reach. So evergreen, evergreen, reels are really evergreen at the moment. Um, you can post something and three weeks later it is still popping off. 
So that is epic. It also, it's just so good at showing the personality behind the business. I mean, everyone knows like show your face on stories, be a human behind the brand, like all that stuff. And it is exhausting. I get it. But if you put some energy into making mm, a reel a week, if it doesn't happen, it's 30 seconds and that is it. No, you say that though, but how long would it take you to create? Because I look at my time, right? I've got, Mm -hmm. I work part-time hours and I've got X amount of time to do my work and everything like that. And I think sometimes I see people do these really elaborate reels. It must take them with these outfit changes and these transitions. And I'm like, oh my God, it must take them like three hours to create this 30 second bit of content. Yeah. The editing I say. So like how long would it could you get away with it creating a reel? You could get away with it in five, ten minutes. If you want to do the elaborate. That still seems like a little out, bit long. Maybe okay, that's <laughs> maybe me, because I take like five to ten takes because okay. I don't know, I'm just hate I hate cameras and, and videos and stuff. Um, but yeah, I like okay, do you ever just sit and scroll through? Are you a TikToker? Do I've never just, been on TikTok ever. Okay. Um, look, I started. So I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like I don't get, I don't get like, yeah, I've never been on TikTok. I don't have the time in my life to be on oh, TikTok. Oh, you find the time. Trust me. Nobody has the time for TikTok. That's what I mean. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't have the time to even get engaged in that sort of yeah. stuff. Like okay. I, I can't do it. Okay. So what I would say is like, I understand that. I'm a nana. I get it. I understand. I was a, I'm nobody. It's ridiculous. And here I am. Like it's, TikTok is where the reels trends start. So Mm -hmm. like, yes, you can find real inspiration through Instagram, but it's already existed for months on TikTok. But what sort of things would you post on reels? You can post educational pieces, like here's three quick tips for copywriting or like things you might not know about Google ads, tick, 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 done, done, like really quick. Um, You can post just a, a meet the person behind the business. You can post, I mean, I could honestly go there are so many ideas out there even if you scroll for 30 seconds in instagram reels you will find something that you can repurpose and relate to your business i promise you and the whole thing of like choosing the music that goes along with it and like it seems to me i'm just like i can't deal with this sort of overwhelm in my life it is a lot i yeah but when you think of the potential benefits you can post one reel and get the same reach as like five to ten posts okay like, and it's, if you, I wouldn't even like stress yourself, like I need to create a reel now. Like I would go just scroll through reels. If you find a song, you're like, yeah, that's a great song. Just save it, put it in a collection to come back to later when you do feel inspired and then go from there. Like just have this bank that you build up of things that are fun, things you like. And uh, yeah, just when you have the mental capacity and the mental energy, then go back to it. I see a lot of people though hanging crap on reels of just people like pointing at text oh, on the screen yeah yeah so, so like what are your thoughts on that um look I uh, I get it I understand it I think I've done it and I ooh, makes me cringe that I've done it but at the same time it's like if you're not someone who feels comfortable talking point if you're not someone who feels comfortable dancing if that's what you feel comfortable doing if that's your first step just do it just take it um, and kind of just warm up to it because it is intimidating. I think it takes me a long time to like adopt social trends. Like I'm like yeah. with with social media, it's just not something I'm not creative in the in the way that I would think about like that would make a great reel. Like I just don't know if now you're saying to me do a reel and I'm like, what the hell would I do a reel about? I have no idea what anyone would know want to know about on reels. Like I just genuinely am like, I have no idea. Yeah, but just see what's already working. 
yeah. brainstorm, just sit down and just word vomit into a piece of paper, pick what you like feel drawn to. And right, go I'll do my there. first reel in 2022, I promise. Uh, hopefully the first <laughs> half of 2022, but. <laughs> so there's still, a, a, there's still a lot of like Instagram engagement pause and all that sort of stuff that goes on in the background. Why? And like, you know, you see these accounts with really big followings, but their engagement's really low. Can you talk a bit about like what that whole strategy is about and why you maybe disagree with them? Engagement pods. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this kills me. And I know so many people get involved in them and it's, so basically if you think about the way the Instagram algorithm works and it's like, you say the algorithm, every person has their own algorithm, right? So what you look at on Instagram and what it recommends is very individual to you. All right, start there. So when you join an Instagram engagement pod with maybe the same 10 people and then... And what what's, yeah. can you talk about what the purpose of that pod is? Yeah, okay. So the purpose of the pod is you post something, you send the, your post to that engagement pod, that group of people that you're with. You go, oh, can you just like and comment on this so it looks uh, good and also kind of hopefully gets pushed out there. But the problem is that A your audience is going to see the same 10 people commenting the same kind of 10 generic things on your posts. Firstly, that's a bit of a, mm, okay, red flag. The second thing is that because Instagram shows more content um, similar to what you're already engaging with, those are the posts you're going to keep seeing, the ones you keep engaging with in the engagement pod. So your content gets restricted your audience may not see your content because it's not working in the way you think it is. It's not like LinkedIn where someone might like something and their network gets notified about it. That's very kind of singular and your post isn't going out to as many people and you just, you're going to keep seeing the same post from the engagement pod and they may not, I mean, most likely they're not your audience and they're never going to buy from you and they're never going to convert. Um, so I just really see it as you're really limiting yourself. You're better off going and actively engaging with your target audience and kind of bringing them to your page. And so why, like, is it just so people think that they've got their posts are getting, like, it looks like they're getting comments yeah. and likes? And, this, and does this still happen? Like, I'm not, I'm someone so naive really? that I'm like, would this be happening in my feed, for example? Absolutely. It definitely really? would. It definitely would. I have a friend of mine as like maybe even two to three weeks ago was talking about joining a pod and I was like, oh, oh my God. For their business? Yes, yeah. Wow, okay. Because people do it for their personal stuff as well? Oh, I think they're maybe trying to be an influencer potentially, Um, but it's more of a business thing. It's more of where you want people to see social proof and you want to show that you've got engagement. You really don't. It's what really happens if people naturally, because naturally you'll have a same subset, like section of your yeah. following commenting on your post, genuinely commenting. Yeah, genuinely, yeah. Like that doesn't impact you though. No, if, that doesn't. No. So because you've, it's, yeah, hard to explain. And you'll also notice as well with, with the people who are in these engagement pods, it gets really diluted and there comes a point where no one has the real energy to leave a meaningful comment anymore. So you might just see like a few heart eye emojis, right? Yeah, that's what like, I would do. Mm, exactly. Cause you're just like, oh, and it's, it becomes an obligation. So you're like, oh yeah, whatever. I'll just comment a few emojis. And that's, mm, that's not proper engagement. That's not like, it's not going to kind of make anyone who finds your page have any questions answered. Yeah. There's no yeah. real connection there. They can't, there's no, um, I can't think of the word, but like there's no reference point, no touch point for them to kind of 
bounce and no questions have been answered. There's, they can't see anyone's personality because how do you respond to just three emojis with heart eyes? Like you maybe just like it and send a few back and that's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Okay, before we wrap up, what are three of your fav- favourite ways or what are your three favourite things about using Instagram for business, mm-hmm. like growing to grow your business? To grow my business. I think Instagram is a really great opportunity to showcase, A, your personality. If you're using stories well and reels well, <laughs> you really get on it. You can show the person behind the business. I think it's amazing for building connections. So whether it's like, I mean, you meet so many people in so many um, complementary industries. So I know quite a, I'm quite close with photographers who now I want to like outsource to if I need to. So building up that network. And for me, I think it's a really, really great creative hub. So the accounts I choose to follow, um, and I've unfollowed so many that I just like, like don't, don't get anything from that content. It doesn't do anything for me. Um, so I've kind of curated this feed where it's just a space of creativity and like empowerment and community is what it feels like when you jump on there. So I, I feel like that's a pretty fun place to be. And do you recommend just going through a cull every once in a while, just so it is that place that you want to go on to rather than it being like, Oh, what's this junk? (laughs) Yeah. And what am I going to see? And is this going to bring me down or am I going to feel good about what I'm going to see on there? I would definitely, it's also really fun. You just kind of feel a little bit powerful. You're just like, yeah, yeah you're out of here. Bye. Yeah. Just choose who you want to see. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you please tell people where they can connect with you on Instagram and also find you online if they want to kind of find out more information about you and what you do? Yeah. So my handle is holosocial and the website is holosocial.com. Everything's holosocial. So if you want to find me anywhere, that's all you need to search. Well, thank you so much. It's been so great to talk to you. It's been awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. There was some background noise between the both of us. My husband got home from work early. I have no idea why. And there were things going on in the background, but uh, you know, it just adds to the atmosphere. And I think that everyone's working from home, or most people are. So you kind of, you guys know what's going on. If you like this episode, share with a friend. And if you want to check out the position description for the digital marketing assistant, then head to the link in this episode. And it is katiegriffin.com forward slash where dash hiring. And you can rate and review. That'd be great. I love reading reviews. I don't get that many, so it would really make my day. <laughs> And if you want to tag me on social media and let me know that you've listened to the episode, that would be really great. I'm at Katie Griffin underscore, and I will chat to you in next week's episode.